the place for you to learn all things you need about becoming the healthiest and best version of you possible. I'm your host, Michael Sack, and I'd love to welcome you to the It All Starts With You podcast, where ambitious people come to learn all about healthy habits, mindset, nutrition, and everything around becoming the best you. And boom, today we have Lucky Horner. So before this, before this, I was, I was saying when I was launching this podcast, there I was creating a two list, one of, of like my dream list and another list. And I jotted his name down and I was like, I need to get this guy on. I need to get this guy on. It was like, he's got a over 21 years in the fitness industry, an absolute guru within the nutritionist space. And I'm like, this guy is an encyclopedia of knowledge. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to take a ton of nuggets from him. He teaches women and men how to establish the best practices to achieve permanent fat loss and body transformation, has coached and educated thousands of clients, PTs, fitness professionals all around the globe, successfully helping them reach their goals. And is also is renowned for his results-driven, fun and playful coaching style. The ability to simplify the tough stuff and creating a safe, engaging space for his tribe. Lockie, once again, thank you for coming on. It all starts with you. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Great to be here. It's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> so, uh, quick rapid-fire questions just so our audience can really get to know you and can get into the meats of it. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Cairns, far north Queensland. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is uh, yeah. a lot more sunny and a lot more predictable than Melbourne weather. But it's uh, yeah, a beautiful part of the world, definitely. And you just said you live in Melbourne. About where in Melbourne do you live? I'm right now. I'm on Chapel Street, uh, which is in uh, Paran, um, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of like extreme one extreme to the other, like sort of farm boy uh, living out in rural areas and cane fields through onto uh, right thick amongst the city, which is where I am right now, mate. With the plonk right amongst the hustle and bustle, but I really enjoyed both actually. That's quite. Um, that's quite a difference right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's... Feel it sometimes, but I think yeah, country people always have to have a breakaway at times. So we're close to the uh, botanical gardens, so get a chance to be able to go and feel human and uh, connect with nature every day, so they don't feel too claustrophobic. Good. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. So, what's your favorite food? Man, I'm a big sushi fan. I mean. I cook most food, and I and I consider myself a pretty good cook. But it's the funny thing about sushi is, like, I like other people to make me sushi. <laughs> it just tastes way better when people make it for me. Sushi, sushi, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's this weird thing where it's like it's almost like an art form. 
when, so when someone makes something so amazing, it's like, wow, it looks great. Yeah. It's going to taste yeah, yeah. incredible as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I got, I got massive respect for people that can do that well. Mm. I ate a raw prawn not long ago for the first time in sashimi. Like, I always thought that was a bit sacrilegious, like you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, but with the right, uh, like, with the right method and, and being able to get fresh produce, yeah, I don't think I could go back to cook prawns. It's beautiful. So, yeah. That's a really <laughs> counterintuitive because you think about it, it's like, oh, shit, you have to cook the, cook the thing a bit. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah, they've got to cut it and treat it a certain yeah. way. But, yeah, if you ever get a chance, you know, get on board. Use it. Absolutely. If you were able to have any superpower, what would it be? I definitely want to fly, mate. Get a different perspective <laughs> on things. For sure. I'm the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look, an invisible man would be kind of cool, like some cool stuff, I'm sure. It mm. sounds a bit creepy to me. I'd uh, yeah, opt for the uh, flying skill any day. <laughs> I think the closest thing that we have to flying is wingsuiting. It's like jumping out of an airplane and then flying. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Do you ever do it? Amazing. No, I'd love to watch it though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I catch off to them. That's like one thing. Like, I can test myself with most things, skydiving and stuff. Like, you know, like, I've, I've done a bit of that and stretched my, uh, you know, the fear factor a little bit. But I look at that and I just go, guys, you can have that. I mean, that's just amazing. But no, no, you it's, couldn't pay me enough money to do that. Seriously. <laughs> it's terrifying and it's so much fun all at the same time. I've went twice and it's like. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, a lot wow. Of okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll watch you do it, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well worth it. What's your X Factor? Uh, X Factor, as a trainer, it's, um, I suppose what, what separated me uh, was that I was, from the start, very, very interested in uh behind the scenes, what really makes people tick and what drives people to, to improve. I think early on, I, I realized it wasn't just about training people and about a list of exercises, just technique. It was really about connecting with why a person wants to, to get in there and on purpose, you know, said he hurt themselves in an attempt to try to get better. You know, you, as a trainer, you're really there guiding that process. And yeah. I think I, uh, I really committed myself to being able to find out each individual's goal and, and, and really what made them tick because every person has a different way of being able to be motivated. And mm. I think too often we see this whole image of a PT, which is that guy that's, or girl yeah. that is going to be screaming at their clients, a big camp instructor. And yeah. to be told that might work on the biggest loser, you know, where the power is shifted, uh, where, you know, we're all watching for entertainment. But when your client is your boss, yeah. and you want to yell and scream at them, you're not really going to keep too many clients. I think for me, mm. being very aware of each person's uh, preference and, and, and asking the question and really sort of uh, getting to know them. So, I mean, like I've had some clients, I've had one of my clients for almost 20 years now. So Seriously. You, know, that's, you, you don't train a person over that longer period unless you're doing something right. It's not just a list of exercises it, it is really trying to bring to life that 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 connection with the person my my mentor 
he has this a very holistic outlook that's a personal training we're not this glorified cheerleader it's like yeah you're the um you're you're this guy this guy or girl that this client has so went through this entire journey from i need to make a change to actually stepping into the gym and then it's yeah. like you're trying to understand the psychology. Why have they gotten there in the first place? And then it's not just a training session. It's like, yeah, we'll see that person for 45 to an hour. What are they doing for the other 23 hours? Yeah, yeah, exactly it, mate. So you've got to affect the person in those gaps. So your client's going to the cupboard and they're going, what would Michael say? What would Michael choose? You know, or making better decisions throughout the course of the day, you realize the way you've affected your client is a lot more than just that little tiny instruction session you put together. You're really parting your, your wisdom, your, your method. Uh, and that's, that's, I think the best trainers are the ones that, uh, that, that really do have the ability to, to connect with people in those gaps. That, mm. That's, uh, and I don't think I could ever teach that. That's one thing that I realized, uh, probably very far down the track teaching students at their fitness colleges. I'd always think that surely I can teach people how to do that. It's not, I think I, the people have a real interest in wanting to be able to do that or they just don't, you know, if you see as a PT, you're, you know, you, you clock on, you clock off, you don't think of your clients or you don't, I mean, that's a method, that's a way of doing things, but I don't think those types of trainers really tend to have the, the, the longevity with their clients that others that uh, take the time to I was speaking with, um, so I do one-on-ones and I do group fitness as well. I was speaking to this one guy and it's like, should I just draw a bank? It'll come, it'll come back to me anyways. <laughs> just draw a bank there. Um, when you were a kid, what was your dream job? I always wanted to be a journalist. I think that was sort of uh, kind of preordained in my family. That was that was going to be something that I would do. And uh, I studied journalism initially when I came out of school. Um, I spent yeah, I spent all my time at the gym. Mm. Uh, so that was probably it, it. Kind of I didn't complete journalism. I kind of got into it and I went, "This is not really for me." And mm. then crossed over to study uh, human movement. Human uh, when I. Yeah, Human oh. movement, yeah. So that's exercise science. A oh. funny name for it. We tend to call it human movement back in. Uh, I don't even know if the course is called human movement anymore. But I remember saying to my dad, you know, I'm studying human movement. He said, "What? You're going to become a dancer?" <laughs> no, dad. I was. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, exercise science. So yeah, then I kind of found a lot more of my people and a lot more interest in that course. So yeah. That's fant- That's really fantastic. I think um, understanding how someone moves and seeing what they're like, what are they good at? What aren't they good at? How can we? How can we improve that? It's like just through that process alone, it can teach someone how to train through injuries that otherwise yeah. mentally will say oh i've got uh, like i destroyed my knee okay 
that doesn't mean that you can't do one, two, three, or four. It's like you get. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. So, where? So, where did this all begin? You studied, you studied uh, journalism, and then what made you make the shift? At which point did you say, "Okay, I don't want to be writing." 3,000, 4,000 word essays every other day to studying, to studying exercise yeah. science. Uh, I, I felt like journalism and in the way that it was taught, it took a lot of the creativity out of what I loved about the idea of, of writing stories and, and, uh, and researching different topics and, and whatnot. Funnily enough, I get to do a lot of that in this day, you know, if I write for a magazine or if I do blog articles and different things like this, I have an opportunity to do the things that I actually really enjoyed about writing and about the, the, the draw that I had to, to journalism. Um, you know, it just didn't feel authentic. It, it, it felt very disconnected. And I had a look around at the people that were, uh, I suppose, in the dream positions in journalism. And it wasn't something that I could relate to a lot. It wasn't something that got me super excited. So I'm, I'm a bit of a feeling type person. I didn't feel right. So when I sort of got amongst, you know, when I first became a personal trainer, it's not what it is today. It was, it was uh, you know, there was quite a lot of uh, uh, gyms that, that didn't have any personal trainers. So you'd have these massive big client bases. But, I mean, I had gym instructors, but they didn't have personal trainers. Mm. So when I started, it was a very different space. You know, you were competing not so much uh, just to get clients, but trying to prove the worthiness of, of the role of a personal trainer. Because a lot of gyms actually believed that gym instructing was enough and that they didn't want to do personal training because it detracted from their ability to help their clients that were coming mm. in as members. They, they wanted to make sure that people felt like someone was out on the floor training that they had the same access to that person that anybody else would, and, and, you know, mm. not just because they paid more money. Nowadays, mm. that's very much shifted around the other way. You don't think of any gym instructors anymore. Like you, you see a lot more personal trainers on the floor than you do gym instructors. So, yeah, yeah my, my first job was in a gym that had 2,500 members and not one personal trainer. That's, so Doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so... People ask me, how did you get your clients? So, like, I think I put up a piece of A4 paper, mm. personal training, yeah. contact Lockie, you know, that was it. <laughs> now that that's it's like, nowadays, that wouldn't ha like, nothing will that happen with that. It's like, you have all the no, fitness pros, so that say, buy my course and get like a hundred leads in an hour. Like, Seriously, mate. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The the landscape, the landscape, What's that? The different space now. Um, completely different. What we aim for. Yeah. How the whole thing operates. The landscape has very much has very much changed. So, your. So you've went from PT and. And you were doing, I'm guessing that you were doing quite a few clients there during the, during the day. When, yep. 
Where, at which stage did you switch to being a lot more specific around around the nutrition? Uh, I I got my first qualification probably fairly far down the track, I suppose, mate. I, I think I'm probably about the ten year mark. Yeah. With PT for about ten years, and then I realised just how much I was limited in in being able to give clients that full package. So. After about 10 years, I started studying nutrition and became a, uh, a, a nutritionist so that I could have the ability to, to really guide clients through nutrition as well as training and have those two marry together. Like, mm. I was always quite fascinated, not just by telling people what to eat, but how to put that together, like how to make it easy for someone, not just tell them what to eat. Yeah. It was always a fascination. You can tell someone what to eat, but... Yeah, I mean, most of us think that when we, we uh, go along with seeing nutritionists, we just want them to tell us what to eat. But you'll find that deeper than that, people want to know how they're going to be able to eat the type of food and, or the amount of food or the frequency of how many times you have to eat it in their day. Because every person is different. Their schedule is different. Their family is different. Their wake-up time is different. Their access to food is different. All of these things, and I think the how you're going to get the best result there is again just being able to really zero in on the client and uh find out something that's very unique and individual to that person that way it's they've got a lot more chance of being able to to follow through on it and if something doesn't work scrap it start again try a different thing i think too many trainers get locked into this concept of well this works really well for this person so it should work really well for you but we're so you know so different so you've got to be able to uh, to be aware of that to get the best result. Every person, every person is very, every person is very different. Their goal is very different. My makeup, yes. Like if you have a short, stocky guy, in comparison to a, a tall, lanky guy like myself, the nutrition and what you're going to give to them is going to be very different it's going to be very different so if someone if someone is uh, coming to you they're wanting to let's say put on a put on sides what's the what's the process you're taking them you're taking them through like what are you doing yeah, for putting on size. Yeah, if someone comes to you, and the main thing that separates, yeah, go on. Yep. I think the main thing with with any goal uh, when working with a client as a PT is to not just work out the plan, but to work out the progression of where you're wanting to go with that particular plan. And so, for instance, if a person wants to put on weight, then we, we, we'll have a look at where we are. We'll have a look at where we want to be. And then we look at, okay, we need to take steps to be able to keep improving to there. It's not just a matter of, here's a magic plan. If you go along and do this plan, then you're going to get this result. The, the plan has to be progressive. It's in motion. So that's why I always pick up people when they say things like, strength training is a great way to improve your metabolism or put on size. Well, technically it is if you do it to progress if you're doing it just to kind of get your reps up and you're not actually applying decent resistance to your muscles, then it's just kind of like just burning some calories. It's not really doing all the magic that we hope that it's going to do. So for me, putting on size is about, okay, we 
start off with a certain amount of calories, a certain type of plan. We improve and increase the, the intensity of that plan, whether it's either more reps or more weight. And then we start increasing the calories as we go. I try not to bombard someone with all of the food all at once and all of the training all at once. It's got to be a staged process. Otherwise, people just kind of flip out and it just becomes another thing that they attempted without being able to follow through. So that's the main thing with size. Yeah, and if you look at what's happening when someone's trying to reduce weight, yeah. it's not a whole lot different. It's, it's actually they still need to improve. They still need to progress. They mm. still need to add more calories as they go along, as their metabolism improves. But we're not going to necessarily have a, go- a, a focus just on muscle mass. You know, and of the training's just slightly different with the resistance training. Mm. You know, initially it might be very similar, but after a while we get a little bit more specific to individual muscles rather than building big, big muscles etc so yeah that's the main sort of differences i mean look i can write a program for an 80 year old person and a person that's just trying to put on guys that's trying to put on muscle Mm. truth be told the program might look very similar but the way that they do that program is what separates the the 80 year old trying to improve their bone strength versus the person that's trying the young guy that's trying to get ready for stereo you know there's a (laughs) The way that you market it, the way that you you uh, coerce them through the process, uh, is, is very different. Why do you think there's uh, this psychology of I want to lose like five kilos in five days or some or something ridiculous like that? Why is yeah. it that we want everything now in a short period of time? Yeah. It's, um, well, firstly, I get it. Like, if we try to be human about it, sometimes we need a quick result to be able to know that we're on track. And if that's what a person needs, then we understand that, whether it's five kilos or two kilos, just being able to have the person know that the program's working for them, I think, is an important thing. That's why people tend to schedule blocks of really intense focus with the 30-day challenge or mm. an eight-week challenge. It's not, there's no magic in, in the 30 days or the eight weeks. It's mm. just focus in being able to say, okay, I can go after this in this short period of time and not get lost in you know, the, the volume of training that I have to do and all of the you know, commitment that I have to make. I can kind of narrow my, my, my focus and my scope just so that I can get ex- stay excited about it. You know, and oftentimes you say in, in PT, you, I, I live my life in like 12-week blocks or eight-week blocks because this eight-week block is a new opportunity, a new focus, you know, new exercises, new concepts, maybe some new nutrition options. Mm. And then after the eight weeks, we have a bit of a celebration and then we start again. Yeah. Now, that eight-week block might never, ever cease. It might keep going, but you've got to try to get yourself excited at the start of every eight-week block, that was again, to yeah. fulfill that, 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 that short and truncated focus of, uh, of, of achieving something in a short period of time. Absolutely. That's what you call a deload week. Um, I've been, like, I did, a, I did a bulk, and then I started doing a, I started doing a cut, and I was training, 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 and I was getting fatigued, tired, cranky, and all of that. And I told my, and I told my trainer, my mentor, and, and I'm like, all I'm feeling this, 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 this. All right, deload week, enjoy a week off. Well, not a week off, but it wasn't as insane as so I was like, 
So mentally, yeah, yeah, yeah. For anyone for anyone that goes through this kind of program, it's like okay, okay, yeah. relax it. I can relax a little bit. You specifically focus more on sixteen weeks. Why? Why sixteen weeks? It's a good length of period of time for sure. Yeah, look, 12 weeks used to be the standard. I think 16 weeks gives you a little bit more time just to put a lot of those habits into to practice. I think you get a lot of momentum after about eight weeks. You generally tend to, the body comes together a lot, nutrition, your habit, training, the intensity, all those sorts of things tend to, to gain some traction after about eight weeks. So when you start achieving a result, like physically, you can often see week for week, but it happens a lot more at that eight to 12 week mark. So eight, so twelve to sixteen, so another four weeks on top of that. It kind of means you get to run with the momentum. So if somebody's uh, committed for a sixteen-week period, it's a, it's a wonderful block of time to get a really great visual result that you can get excited about and hopefully capture your attention so that you can keep going. And that's what I'm often thinking. I, I try not to just, you know, think okay, we're just twelve-week block of general fitness. We're going to feel a much better, nearer change the body shape, so that you can really know that this is working for you to then continue from there and to keep going. What are the what are the habits yeah. that you're instilling into that person and during that during that sixteen weeks? Uh, most of the time, it's one discipline affects another discipline, so. How you do one thing is often how you do most things. So it starts with with what you do first up. And I always say, make your bed. I know that seems ironic, but <laughs> it's true. make your bed, you start your day. Can you, can you get into, uh, you know, cooking breakfast? For some people, it might be a real hassle. Mm. Uh, I don't want to cook breakfast, get into the habit of doing things that you can do efficiently because you're doing them often. Mm. Um, the more you do something, the more it just now becomes autopilot. So just chip away at little habits that you can do. Cooking is one thing, and efficiency in cooking certain types of meals is, is really important. People uh, generally tend to put off things like cooking, say things like, oh, I haven't got time in the morning. When you see a person that knows what they're doing when they're cooking you know, eggs or scrambled eggs or something in the morning, it takes them two minutes, yeah. nothing. You know what I mean? It takes them as much time to heat up their oats as it does to be able to cook eggs on the stove so it's yeah. just more about being able to 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 get good at things so that they don't become a chore so if a person wants to you know get into a new program they've got you know a list of all these new recipes to be able to to kind of cook and they're trying to do a new recipe every day it becomes such a hassle because there's no there's no efficiency you're like you strike oh, i don't have that ingredient now i've got to go out and buy this and i don't know how to do this so it's going to take me forever to do it get a couple of really good meals that you can just put on autopilot and you get good at bringing them to life and you do them often enough to be able to get them scheduled uh, consistently so that you can get, it's a no brainer. You know, yeah. you can be talking to somebody on the phone and doing, you know, putting your eggs together yeah. and before you know it, it's done and you didn't even realize you've done it because you've just done it so often that it just becomes a part of you know, your autopilot. I love that. It went, um, yeah, when when it's a when it's a no brainer, that's like it just it just flows. But it's a matter of getting getting into it and getting into that habit that yeah. really that really defines it. 
I've seen like I've seen a few of your videos, and you're a big comp uh, like you're a big fan of liquid calories. Why why that why that specifically? Well, firstly, supplements are never trying to compete with food. They generally tend to be a complement to food. So uh, that's a really important thing to distinguish because it's never that fight between, well, is it real food, better, and et cetera. Mm. The main reason why supplements are so good is because supplements are absorbed a lot quicker. So in and around workout time in particular, it's really important to be able to have, for instance, a, a great protein option because it will absorb into the body within 20 minutes. And the closest thing like fish uh, in whole food will take around about two to three hours. Right. So this, you know, 20 minutes it takes to absorb whey protein versus two to three hours of fish. It's a, it's a no-brainer based on absorption. So absorption is a big one and convenience is the next one. A lot of the time people are time poor. So if they get a chance to be able to have a liquid meal, especially when they're getting started, it becomes a bit more of a, an easy bet to, to schedule the day. So that's why convenience, absorption, and not to mention the fact that obviously you're getting a lot of what you need in there as well too, so that you don't find yourself uh, missing out. Uh, if, if, if it tastes good and you feel compelled to, to want to, uh, to, to drink it as well too, you know, it's, uh, for a lot of people it might be the highlight of their nutrition. Right. Make it, they take the time to make it taste really good. Some people, like, <laughs> and a lot of PTs, uh, like, they don't necessarily believe in liquid calories. It's like, I can get all my nutrients in, in the foods that I eat. And to some extent, it's true. But unfortunately, due to the environment and many other factors, the environment has made our food nutritionally corrupt. It's like what used to be 50, 60, 70 years ago isn't today. It's like you, yeah. it's almost near impossible to get all your nutrients from chicken, broccoli, and rice. There's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, obviously uh, – nutrition that's going to be lacking so that's where a lot of those supplements will will sort of bridge that gap absolutely absolutely but we're a big fan of both so we never put them on the chopping block we never sort of want to compare one to the other yeah they both have their place so um obviously obviously getting your foods and that is equally important. And that's why it's yeah, yeah. supplementation. You supplement on top of what you are doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's a complement rather than a supplement. That's so important to remember. And when, and when you are starting and when you are starting with someone, are you are you offering that straight away or are you more of the fact that, okay, I got someone and you, you're working with what they want, what they want. And where do you, where do you stand with it? Yeah, look, I think uh, for a lot of people, if you're, if you're starting a supplement plan as well as a nutrition plan, as well as a training plan, mm -hmm. might be a little bit too much all too soon. I think for me, it's important to get people started with their training to get the hang of things 
then start layering in some nutrition, then start looking at supplementation. I think mm. I get a bit uh, concerned when people kind of have uh, every supplement under the sun, but they haven't got the training in check yet because they don't intend to have, yet think there's going to be some sort of magic pill mm. that's going to push them through to get a result. And, you know, you ask anybody in that space, you know, the training is, I mean, we talk about nutrition being 80%, but that 80%, so that 80-20 ratio only exists if that 20%, which is the, the right nutrition, is being, you know, it, oh, sorry, the, uh, the, the 20% of the training is being met. Mm. It's like, a, a, like, you know, I might say that uh, 80% of the effectiveness of a car is its engine, but if it doesn't have any wheels, that's, it's not going anywhere. So, yeah, 20% might be training, but... <laughs> you're not going to do much if you, you haven't got the right training in check. So yeah. if, if the training is good, then 80% of the nutrition is going to be important for energy and obviously replenishment as well too. Mm-hmm. And supplementation fits it within that. So if, uh, if the person's training is in check, hey, they've got some good nutrition option, awesome. Layer in a couple of supplements. Don't bombard them. You know, I've, I, sometimes you get clients that are, taking pre-workout you know, amino acids, post-workout protein, you know, that throughout the course of the day, they're drinking amino acids and they're you know, doing every single supplement and yet they still haven't really started training properly yet. You know, as if though these supplements are really going to bring to life something that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that doesn't really exist without the resistance of the training. You need to stress your body so that the supplements can be put to work. Rather than think that the supplements are going to somehow magically create something from nothing, they're not. They're there to be able to complement your lifestyle, not okay. you know make up for what you're not doing. <laughs> if someone if someone is coming to you or having that mindset, what psychology are you in instilling or trying to educate them at? A, switch their mind switch their mindset change their mindset around around this whole equation i always compliment someone's commitment so if someone's going to be taking an interest in supplements and really you know trying to do the best thing for their body i think that's wonderful that you're caring about what's going into your body and i i credit that to the person but i just try to make sure that people understand that it's a bit more to a healthy body than just feeling like there's going to be some sort of magic pill and people get that you know like even supplements as well too like if you if you love a supplement and you think it does a really great job of making you feel a certain way or recover your body i always say that by training properly that will cause you to fall in love with that supplement even more so because now you really get to put it to work mm-hmm. because when your body is stressed it's recovering all that sort of thing you now get an opportunity to be able to see its full worth its value because you speak to anybody that's an athlete or someone that's been training a long time, someone that's taken a lot of supplements, they'll tell you the same thing. They, they, they don't get themselves caught up with one supplement or group of supplements thinking that that's going to be the be all and end all. They don't tend to see it as like a one percenter, just going to complement a little bit here. You know, adding another supplement might just improve your performance just slightly or maybe just improve your recovery. It's, it's not the reason why someone's going to, you know, go out there and all of a sudden become, you know, a body transformation spectacular or some sort of a you know, top-level athlete just because of the, the supplement they're taking. 
even though the, the label might tell you differently. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like that. It's what, um, it's what these marketing companies are really, yeah. are really focusing on. It's like, drink yeah. this once a day and you'll turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of crap. Yeah. yeah. And they do it, they do it so well. Yeah. It's why, it's why having like a product that is yeah. going, a product that is going yeah. to actually do what it says it's going to do and be ethical about it. Yeah. There's nothing, yeah. nothing more amazing. It's good. It's good. So, nice. you, you're also a big fan of intermittent fasting, and it's this buzzword. Um, it's this buzzword now, and it's like more, more information is coming out. Why, why have you aligned yourself with, like, why intermittent fasting in the first Well, it's, been, it's an old process that I, I didn't know much about it until I started doing it probably about eight years ago, mm. uh, and I needed to try it for myself to be able to really get to understand it. It felt very natural. It's not for everybody. Um, and again, I think it's a lovely compliment to what you're doing. It's not the answer to... Um, bring you out of a you know bad habits and, and sort of you know all of a sudden put you on track uh in, in fact it can actually do the opposite if you don't if you're not careful it's yeah. you know get your nutrition in check and get your training in check and then have that as a lovely compliment to reset your metabolism awesome so yeah i've, I've found it's, a, it's another really great tool to use and um, you know if you look at the history of it we've been doing it for centuries so yeah. it's something quite natural uh, and yeah, like you said, the studies are coming out now that, that reinforce that. So it becomes a lot more science-based now rather than it sort of being something that people would do to go, you know, go to Bali, Thailand, fasting and, you know, big tubes up their bottoms and all that sort of jazz. So kind of, <laughs> we like to reset everything. So yeah, it's, and then again, that's a natural body process. It's not a supplement that does that. Supplements will actually... Uh, uh, support that process, but they're not what causes the body to go into a fasting state, etc. So sometimes supplements can make it easier to be able to get through it. Sure. And if that's the case, you're more inclined to do it. If you're more inclined to do it, you get more benefit from it. So. Absolutely. When is someone, say so someone has done like 14, 10, 16, 8, or whatever, or whatever the protocol is, if someone is getting, if someone is uh, getting into it, I know. And if yeah. if someone has just broken their, their fast, what's the like? What are the kind of foods that someone should be breaking the fast on? Obviously, not like fried eggs and bacon and that kind of shit. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point because you've got to be able to make sure that you're putting the right thing in. It's not like you've just gone without food. So now you get a chance to binge. Good food's going to go into your body because your body's going to act like a sponge at this stage after you finish a cleanse because uh, it becomes hypersensitive to things. So it's important to make sure that you're putting good food in, whether it's a good quality supplement shake and or I prefer real food, to be honest, Like, and then get excited about having quite a few good meals before you try and train because if you, especially for the people that are training quite intensely, you come out of a fast and you're not eating enough, you're going to go in there and 
start eating on your own muscles. So having mm. a, a few really good meals and make sure you're really well replenished and you're probably going to have a great session. Mm. Not so much like you go into a session after a fast and you feel like you're just drained. You, you haven't eaten enough. Mm. You're going in there trying to pull energy from nowhere. So it's not going to happen for you. That's what I, that's what I experienced as well. As I would do this 25-hour fast. I would eat like I'd break it. But then that same day I would go like to calisthenics or jiu-jitsu or whatever. And I was bugged. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm working off, I'm working off the meal that I had before this. But there's like, there's nothing. (laughs) So if you were to go back to your 18 year old self and give him 10 seconds of advice, what would it be? Oh, I would say, uh, yeah, look, keep your, keep your, uh, your, your circle close, keep your circle close, yeah. trust in those people and, and, and put your effort into making sure that those relationships are, are, are kept really strong. I think yeah. to me, that's, that's, uh, that's important. Okay, Lucky. Where where can people find you? Uh, find on social media there. Just uh, Lucky Horner or Lucky Horner LHO. Uh, you can find on the website as well too. If you want to get information, some of the different uh, lives that I do as well too. Feel free to tune in. Uh, yeah, more than happy to help. Beautiful. Lucky, I really I really appreciate your time. I know you're absolutely chockers and. I got a lot going on. So once again, oh, I want to thank mate. you. And yeah. Okay. Awesome, man. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Good to get you. See you, mate. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would mean the world to me if you left a five star written review and subscribe so we can all make a bigger impact together.